Anchored at the docks of Baltimore Harbor, hidden among rows of shipping containers, is this amazing little piece of physics history. The sleek white ship, the NS Savannah, is a relic from a time when an atomic-powered future seemed tantalizingly close. The world's first nuclear-powered merchant ship, NS Savannah, is launched at Camden, New Jersey. NS for nuclear ship. Powered by an atomic reactor which will go three years before refueling, the Savannah will be a floating showcase for the peaceful use of nuclear energy. Built at a cost of $41 million, she will be uneconomic commercially. But like her namesake, the first steamer to cross the Atlantic, this Savannah will also be a pioneer whose name will stand large in the annals of the sea. Today, it's more of a footnote. Now, there have been plenty of warships with atomic reactors, but the Savannah was the U.S.'s only nuclear-powered civilian ship for carrying cargo and passengers. I'm Mike Lucibella, and on this week's Physics Central podcast, we're looking at the story of this atom-powered sea vessel and how it takes more than a working prototype to spark a technological revolution. It's uh, a ship that was built for a very public purpose, this is Erhard Kohler, senior technical advisor for the Savannah at the Maritime Administration, known as MARAD. It was proposed by President Eisenhower in 1955 as a demonstrable action on the part of the United States to take his vision of atoms for peace to peoples of the world. In the early 1950s, nuclear science was facing kind of an image problem. Scientists working through World War II had split the atom to build bombs, but President Eisenhower wanted to find a way to highlight nuclear energy for other peaceful purposes. This greatest of destructive forces can be developed into a great boom for the benefit of all mankind. The United States knows that peaceful power from atomic energy is no dream of the future. That capability already proved is here. Now, today, who can doubt if the entire body of the world's scientists and engineers had adequate amounts of fissionable material with which to test and develop their ideas that this capability would rapidly be transformed into universal, efficient, and economic usage. He started a program called Atoms for Peace, and a nuclear-powered passenger and cargo ship seemed like the perfect fit. Already, the Maritime Administration had been thinking about nuclear fission as a power source. You know, you drop the bomb in 1945, and suddenly everybody who wasn't part of the Manhattan Project becomes aware that the technology has developed. And scientists and engineers could immediately see the potential for applying it to controlled fission for production of heat and energy. And, and, and suddenly, nuclear-powered ships become, uh, to, to produce for steam propulsion, become very attractive. Eisenhower gave it the nod, and shipbuilders started laying the Savannah's hull. The ship's purpose is a good reminder that not all experiments are conducted in a lab. And this was a government R&D project. This was not designed to be some kind of commercial prototype. This was, nobody, nobody has done this before. Nobody knows exactly how to do it. Nobody knows what the ramifications are in the commercial industry for things like bringing a mobile nuclear power plant from site to site to site to site, bringing it into population zones. How do you establish safety protocols, emergency response, and so forth as you bring this mobile nuclear power plant into the heart of Baltimore or Philadelphia or Rotterdam. Uh, you know, what do you do with, uh, with the power plant in those situations? It was a prototype in the sense that it was to develop the, the protocols necessary to operate future economically competitive nuclear merchant ships. The nuclear reactor at the heart of the Savannah works like most nuclear power plants. Uranium pellets heat up when a critical mass of them is brought together. 
The heat boils water, and that steam spins a turbine connected to the ship's propellers. The Savannah launched in 1962, and its first mission was showing the world what nuclear power could do. I think the ship was, was very successful in, in demonstrating that a, a cargo passenger ship could, could perform safely uh, under nuclear power. This is Robert Moody. He was a reactor technician on some of the Savannah's last voyages. It was a technological success. Uh, however, uh, the ship was never intended to be uh, economically competitive. The Savannah operated for seven years, almost without a hitch, ferrying passengers and cargo to 77 ports around the world. I guess one of my favorite memories was loading cargo in, in Hong Kong to come up on deck and uh, see six or eight uh, Chinese junks tied up alongside, uh, bringing the cargo out to the ship. Really contrasting cultures with a nuclear-powered ship and uh, Chinese junks bringing cargo out to us. But then it operated from 62 to 70 uh, uh, very satisfactorily, was, uh, was really, uh, uh, from, a, from an engineering point of view, fully successful. It was, never had any accidents, never really had any issues with reliability of the plant, uh, was always available when it was supposed to be available. It safely ferried nearly 850 paying customers over its three years as a passenger ship. In the halls of Washington, though, trouble was brewing for the Savannah. The developmental objectives of the program were already being met by 1963, you know, and, and a lot of the Savannah, because the ship was only in service for a year, and uh, the, the policy folks were, were figuring out, hey, you know, uh, what, do we, what do we have left to prove after we do these first several voyages? They let it keep going for a few years. After it finished its initial run in 1965, Marad leased it to American export his Branston Lines solely for carrying cargo. But this is where the real economics of the ship started to get in the way. With the extra crew needed to operate the reactor, it was expensive to run and too small to carry enough cargo to really turn a profit. The whole time, Marad had to subsidize its operation. And there was debate over whether or not to even refuel the ship in 1968, but ultimately, the Maritime Administration decided it needed the experience. And really, it was, it, was, it was economics, but it was government budget economics. Savannah was on the Marriott budget. Savannah cost about $3 million a year. And uh, that money, in the height of the, or, or in, the, in the midst of the Great Society programs, in the midst of the Vietnam War, and during the Apollo program, which was spending vast sums of money, very high percentages of the federal budget, you know, there was great fiscal constraint elsewhere. The money went to those three things, and, you know, much like today, you know, you have to triage where you're going to spend your federal dollars. So programs like the Savannah, which admittedly were quite successful and had met their programmatic objectives, uh, became difficult to sustain because the money needed to go somewhere else. Unfortunately, October 1970 hit, and the Savannah program was zeroed in the austere budget that was passed that year. And so the ship was immediately removed from service. The general agency agreement was, was essentially terminated, and the ship was redelivered to, go, to the government. And at that point thereafter, Merritt has only had uh, nominal funds to, uh, to maintain the ship in storage. Well, it was, uh, it was really a pretty sad time. We, uh, we were ready to serve another three or four years with the fuel we had, but um, I was a reactor operator during the defueling of the ship in Galveston, Texas. We were very busy uh, in Galveston during the decommissioning. We still had to do our health physics surveys and our water chemistry, and we had to uh, disconnect all the control rods safely and remove the fuel safely. Since decommissioning, the ship's been in a museum in South Carolina and then stored in the Merchant Fleet Reserves in Virginia. 
1991, the Park Service named it a National Historic Landmark. And now in Baltimore, Kohler and others are hoping to restore the chip and turn it back into a museum, but still funding is an issue. We live with Adams for Peace to this day, and the Savannah is this one tangible relic, if you want to call it, of the contemporary Adams for Peace program in the 50s and 60s that, that, that showcases Eisenhower's vision in its most hopeful form. In part because of high costs and changing public opinion, the once-envisioned fleets of nuclear merchant ships just never materialized. Today, the Savannah sits as an artifact of a bygone time when the promise of atomic energy seemed to hold no bounds. That's all for this week's Physics Central podcast. We have a whole bunch of photos of the Savannah at our website, www.physicscentral.com. There you can also find more of our podcasts, blog posts, and resources, and so much more. Thanks for listening.